our choices on a moment by moment make us who we are, right? The choices that we make, you know, that are bad affect us in ways that, you know, like for me, landed me here, and I may never get out of here. But also the choices that I make now and the choices we all make on a moment by moment basis, uh, that's what makes us who we are. <laughs> Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. Greetings, my friends and fellow Damons, and welcome to episode 15 of D2. My guest today is Mr. Daniel Levy. Daniel is someone I've had the pleasure of getting to know via the Occidental Temple of the Wise Lord, which is an organization that works toward establishing the Mazdan religion, that is, the teachings of the prophet Zarathustra, in the West. Daniel is the author of several e-publications on Mazdaisms, such as Mazdan Musings, Ogham, The Fire in the Head, which you can find at Smashwords, deals a little more with a Druidism, and his newest forthcoming book is called The Mazdan Inside. Now, Daniel is also serving a life sentence at a medium security correctional facility. Now, that's kind of weird because as the possibility of doing this interview began arising, I was also studying the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And this uh, famous book of his was written on will and the triumph of the human spirit while Frankl was being incarcerated and experiencing gross human degradation in various Nazi death camps during World War II. Frankl was famous for saying, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I think you'll find this a recurring theme in the discussion you're about to hear, and indeed, truly wonderful things can emerge from out of the most desperate of conditions. I feel Daniel's a great example of that, but I'm going to leave that for you to decide as I invite you to listen in on this most unique and lucid conversation. And we are live. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Great, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, hey, it's so good to uh, finally uh, be able to talk to you and communicate and exchange in this capacity. Um, had lots of uh, uh, great opportunities to uh, exchange with you over the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of years or so here and there through uh, other, other uh, avenues. So it's definitely a, a real special experience and a treat that we're able to talk here now. Yeah, likewise. Uh, uh, I've been looking forward to uh, being with you. So um, I guess let's just start this whole thing out. Let's um, talk about um, where you are right now, how you got into that position. Sure. Well, currently I'm uh, at the, uh, in Oklahoma at the uh, Dick Connors um, Correctional Center for the medium mm -hmm. security prison. And, uh, 
I am serving a lifetime sentence for a murder that uh, I committed in 1999 during a uh, during an altercation. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to say that the reason that um, I committed a murder, even though I take entire you know entirely take all responsibility, uh, is that the, it was the first time that I had ever uh, taken any kind of narcotic or drug, and mm-hmm. incidentally, it, it's the last time I did as well. Uh huh. So for uh, 18 years now, I've been serving time with that on my conscience, and so that's uh, that's pretty, pretty tough. Right. Well, so um, and so I know that that has to be an incredibly heavy thing to go through, uh, incredible experience uh, that you've had that you you know deal with and and, and struggle with. Um, but um, it, it, it seems like the the struggle from that, um, which. I mean, it's your, your will and your thoughts to get involved with all of these sorts of things led you into discovering some different, um, different things and exploring some different avenues, maybe not some of the same stuff that everyone else in your position um, ends up being attracted to or, or taking an interest in. Um, and, and one of those, I think, is um, uh, what I would call, uh, you know, left-hand path ideas, which is, you know, something we um, explore on this show. So I wanted to ask... How, uh, from, you know, going from where that started for you in, in, in 1999, which, you know, this had to be a, just a huge, you know, uh, awakening, I guess. Um, how, how did you end up um, getting interested in, in left-hand path ideas? Well, really, uh, um, I suppose that, you know, uh, first, you know, the crime itself is, it's, you know, if you think about it, it's pretty antinomian, even though that wasn't any kind of a goal that I had. But mm-hmm. having, having come across that term, uh, I think it was in uh, Dr. Aquino's um, uh, book, his e-book at the time when it was uh, online, The uh, Temple of Set. I had read mm-hmm. about antinomian. And, of course, I had read about Polaris or Dr. Flowers' um, mm-hmm. definition of that, how he defined the left-hand path. And so I started to read more of that, but also I was studying more heavily because I was then introduced to Dr. Flowers' work, uh, the idea of the left-hand path, specifically the Setian and the, uh, and, uh, and the you know, Runa word, Runa and Kefir. And so uh, that led me actually a little bit away from, at the time, away from the left-hand path specifically and into the realm of the uh, Celtic Druidism because mm-hmm. I had read a book by Michael Kelly, which was actually a rewrite of uh, Edgar Thorson's Book of Oam. And so uh, I really started to get into the Irish because of my heritage. Mm-hmm. And in the mythology of the Irish, there is uh, the concept of the fire in the head, which is, you know, obviously consciousness. And, uh, and so I, I had, a, I don't know, maybe six or seven years of, intensive study in that and it led me to the whole you know thought process of the promethean fire within you know being the consciousness given to humanity by whatever that force is that we call uh the original fire the black flame or you know the fire in the head which is both at once the giver and the gift itself and so i I wrote a a couple of short books on druidism one was called the overcoming the druid's guide to initiation and I, i never published it but within that book, there was a chapter that spoke about using the oam, which, you know, is similar to the Irish. It's basically the Irish reflection of the, the uh, Germanic Futhark. It's their own version, you know, the tally signs. Uh, but using that as a, an initiatory 
um, system. And so uh, I took that section and I expanded it into another uh, manuscript, and I published that when it was called uh, Oh, I'm the Fire in the Head. And basically that w it was devoted to that same that essence, that original fire, uh, which is consciousness, uh, which is consciousness imbued with a conscious conscience. And so I began to develop, develop that thought from there, and when I, uh, you know, of course, studying all of Stephen's uh, works, when I um, found out that Lodestar, you know, Ruin Raven, and uh, then, of course, um, The Good Religion was published. Immediately I bought that, and to me, um, I would say that that is the most refined form of left-hand path that I've found so far, mm -hmm. although arguably some would not call it left-hand path, uh, speaking of the Boston way. So the, you mentioned fire in here so many times. Yes. So so how do you, how how in, how integral do you think that is with when, you know, obviously, you know, everything you mentioned about the fire, you know, mythology and symbolism and left-hand path and the black, hand, the black lane, um, it's all very um, overt there. How significant do you think the fire aspect was for you when you came, when you came across the good religion? Well, um, let me go back to when I was, okay, I was, I was put into foster care when I was 18 months old. I, I grew up in Alabama. I was born uh -huh. in Druid City Hospital, funnily enough in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But I was put up for adoption when I was 18 months old, and I went through the whole foster care thing and, you know, orphanages, foster homes. Well, at age nine, I was adopted. But uh, I, I had grew up with such a, um, an extreme case of Tourette syndrome, which started from, you know, probably six months. <clears throat> and I never really truly grew out of it until I was in my mid-30s. But at 11 years old, I was already had, I had been adopted for two years now by the Levy family, and my Tourette syndrome was so bad at the time, they really didn't understand what it was, how to deal with it, or what caused it. And so they were just, you know, they put it off as, okay, this kid's just trouble, he's rebellious. And, and so they sent me to a wilderness school in Paint Rock, Alabama, or Trenton, Alabama, and I was there for almost three years. Well, one of the things there was that we had no electricity or no running water. And so we lived mm -hmm. effectively in the woods on the side of a mountain, building our, uh, you know, homes, uh, our cabins out of hand tools. And, but one, the one constant thing was that all day and all night we had a fire burning. And so someone mm -hmm. was always on, you know, collecting downed wood or going and chopping wood and chink paneling, keeping the fire going. And I was, that was my thing. So at, at, 11, at 11 years old, I was already um, being so involved with the physical element of fire that I think it had a contemplative effect upon me where um, I kind of had an edge up on the people around me because it seems like, to me, there was a communication there, which, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a Mossad and as a left-hand pastor, I'm sure you, you know, ha have experience with the bridge that is, uh, or for me in a way, the bridge that is, um, that is created to the divine through the element of fire, uh, whether it's the physical or the mental. And so I, for me, early on, it was that. And then as I began to explore the different, um, even, you know, for a time, the Luciferian through the Diabolicon of Michael Aquino, uh, and then, you know, the, all the Celtic and the Promethean and now the Mazdan, uh, there was just something, even the Agni and the Hindu, there was just something there primal about fire. And now how I've come to realize the fire itself as the ordering kind of consciousness or mentality in the cosmos uh, that defines the laws and through which mankind can communicate with the maker of those laws 
who is said to be one with those laws itself, as Ahura Malt is one with Asha. For me, fire um, has been a big part of my work, and as you may know, I consider this uh, connected with the, or encapsulated in, in some respect in the word, um, the Greek word, epiousios, and the Latin translation for that, uh, super substantial. And that, um, and that, and and fire. In addition to all these things um, that, that that you've mentioned, um, that there is a sense of uh, that, that fire can can act a certain kind of fire, a certain quality of fire can act as a form of nourishment for other parts of being. And you know, eventually, after I started looking more into the, the uh, Mazdaism, you see that the Zoroastrians had six kinds of fire, and um, you know, there's a fire that like a you know, and they all have to do with nourishment. They have to do with nourishment of plant life, or there's fire that uh, nourishes like animal life, and then human life, and consciousness. And, you know, all these things. And I thought, man, that's that's right there. But um, getting getting back to the good religion for a minute, before I really was familiar with a lot of the Mazdan stuff, it was when the the, the thing that really hit me was when I I'd seen Dr. Flowers talk about some of the Mazdan stuff, and I thought this is really interesting. This really you know, really connects with a lot of stuff. It really connects with the Gurdjieff stuff too that I was into. And then I got that book, The Good Religion, and I read that. And in his preface of it, he talked about the fires that were happening in Austin um, at the time that, before he wrote the book. And I remembered that time immediately. It was, um, I want to say, 2012, maybe 2013, when they had these horrible brush fires there in Austin. And I thought about that time period, and I just immediately remembered that time period and all these things that had been going on at the time. And just that that realization of that, it's, it's, it's like, and, and maybe you can, maybe you, you can resonate with what I'm talking about, that where you have this moment where you just stop, and just through this realization, you feel as, as though you have absorbed something new. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, I've never been, uh, because, of, because of my, uh, my current plight where I'm at and uh, my situation, I've never been a member of the Temple of Set, but I can recall the type of um, the type of moment that you're talking about is it's an epiphany, and um, mm-hmm. to me it resonates as a moment of kefir. And when I I recall, um, I, okay, I, I'll put it this way: there is a type of synchronicity that comes along with for me that comes along with moments of kefir, moments of coming into being, or I don't know. For me, it's like a, a really a manifesting a different level of yourself that wasn't uh, yet exposed before mm-hmm. and so when that when that type of moment grafts that new part of your being that's now newly manifest onto yourself you become a little more uh, whole or remembered and so yeah. those moments to me are a type of uh, shamanistic experience and they only happen through types of extreme ordeals like for example the fires in Austin and so uh, even from a, an uh, an extra experiential level where I didn't experience it, but uh, from from another's experience, uh, I remember feeling um, the the compassion and empathy for the victims of those fires because you know I'm not too far away I'm in Oklahoma, but I, I remember seeing those and I was like you know um, such a uh, empathy and sympathy for it. I remember the emotional well, I mean, it was really an upheaval for and for my emotions seeing that. So I, I know what you mean when you talk about remembering that. And um, uh, But like I said, I, I didn't have the experience of it. But I'm sure you know that being in a place that I'm in, we have those types of 
uh, extreme ordeals all the time that, you know, kind of make you who you are through uh, really, yeah. you know, better and bigger and more um, integral parts of yourself. Right. So there's that idea that uh, of uh, just a struggle that, 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 that makes you stronger, but, but there's something different um, as far as um, uh, something like Kefir or an experience like that. In addition to struggle, there's, the, um, there's a mental sort of attitude or context yeah. that goes along with it. Well, you know, for me, I think that um, it, it has to be, I think the moment of Kefir has to come before, the moment of Kefir has to come before the, um, before the experience of the ordeal can be um, absorbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by way of explanation, I can really only say that I had to be um, in a place where when I, when I did go through those extremity, those extreme, extreme ordeals and um, then because of the preparation, the mental preparation, then I was able to gain something from it. You know, uh, like I always tell um, the guys that I, that I do a little class with on Thursdays, it's when it's not the ordeal that changes you. It's how you, uh, how you are prepared and how you choose to respond to that ordeal. So, um, you know, if you're, say you're attacked then in an alley, well, it's not the attack that makes you um, weak or strong, but it's how you, when you face down that situation, it's how you react to it, right? It's how you act in that moment that now um, determines the kind of person that you are. And so any ordeal is either an educational thing because it's a life-affirming or a life-denying event where you walk away from the struggle because it's just too much or you face it down in the face of the fear and you um, make something out of it, you know. So I think for me the, the kefir is only comes from having – haven't developed a an openness to situations because if I had not been an initiate to begin with, and then went through an ordeal, then that ordeal would just be another bad thing that happened in my life. You see what I mean? Right. So I think there's so much in tied up in the what you said about preparation, um, preparedness. Gurdjieff uh, said at one point that um, it made the case at one point that that really all of initiation can be looked at as a form of preparing the self for the thing that might happen because you don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself. And, um, you know, our uh, our mutual friend, um, uh, you know, Dr. Flowers um, likes to refer to, um, to talk about Jesus, uh, Jesus, the Magus as being a left-hand path Magus. And, and, and this is an idea that goes all through the gospels again and again, that all the, the work is all a matter of being, staying awake, so that you'll be ready when the opportunity appears. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty uh, enamored with the whole idea. You know, uh, Jesus says this, Salshan or Salshan. You know, to me, it's um, it's a pretty revolutionary idea, even though, obviously, like you said, it's been there all along. You know, the Gospels is rife with that whole, that idea. Uh, But now understanding that the root of that idea is an Iranian, is an Iranian root. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's for me uh, where I'm at. It's it's um, it's interesting because most of the people um, who come to prison do any amount of time. They they find even though they were, you know, we may have been criminals on the, you know out there before we came to prison. But prison is a type of uh, monastery or a, a sanctuary away from certain things. And so 
you begin to attach your soul or your spirit to things, certain you know, religious ideas and spiritual ideas. And so most of the people, um, because it's a West, we live in a Western world, then it's a, it's a Christian world. And so they attach mm-hmm. themselves to Christianity. And so for me, um, in the midst of that, which, you know, most of my friends are, in fact, Christians, then it's, uh, there's a struggle there for me to present Jesus as, um, as a Muslim. Because his words um, betray his position that he is Muslim. In fact, you know, even though the people who taught the religion around him, like Dr. Flowers said in The Good Religion, the people who taught the religion around him and about him uh, were, you know, at times haters of Christians or at times thinking he was insane like his brother James. But there is a real, um, there's a, 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 a real bona fide kind of Muslim uh, attitude about Jesus, you know, and the way he taught. So, to me, that's pretty significant. It's, it's an emotional signification, too, because I grew up a Christian and rebelled against that uh, mm-hmm. with the left-hand path, and so mm-hmm. now it's kind of coming full circle for me. Oh, absolutely. I hear you. This is, like, one of the most exciting things, I think, um, about uh, modernism is the way in which you can circle back and look at um, Jesus as a, as a Salshan, and the left-hand path aspect of it kind of falls away. Um, and, 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 you know, it's... it's you know, that idea of, like, um, Jesus being a, a left-hand path magician or a lord of the left-hand path. He, he talks about it in the book, Lords of the Left-Hand Path. Jesus shows up in there. And then there was a book, there was a book uh, prior to, uh, prior even to uh, Dr. Flowers that was, uh, that was uh, called uh, Jesus, Jesus the Magus, I think, which pointed out. Jesus the Magician, um, right. Jesus, that's right. it. That's it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I read another one, too. It was uh, Jesus Wicked Priest or something like that. I, I read just okay. a few pages. It was a friend's, and I borrowed it, but it was along those same lines, I believe. Wow. Yeah, so so the thing is, is and you mentioned this in the beginning of our conversation um, about, like, you know, we stumbled upon Mazdas, and you're like, wow, this is, the, this is the real left-hand path. But then I think what happens is you go into it a little bit further, and you realize this is from a, this is from a point of view, from a perspective in which there really aren't any paths. You know, it's really kind of like... Like Dao, I feel like Taoism is kind of like that, too. People are always like, they want to, you know, when, you, when you're going back and you're trying to fit everything into a nice, neat left-hand path versus right-hand path theme, it's really easy when you're talking about, you know, Islam and, and you know, the monotheistic religions and, and Christianity, you know, that are, like, really coercive, very coercive religions. And so it's easy to see that the right-hand path is a way of collectivism and coercion and left-hand path is a way of uh, freedom and, and independence and uh, non-coerciveness. But you get back and you look at this, this Mazdan stuff, and it's like, so this is from a time period where there's just, that's, that's all it is. There's just, there's just the way of freedom, and then there's the way of, and then there's the druge. And it, you know, there's the lie. And that's not even actually a way, you know. Yeah. It's not a way that a conscious person seeks to follow. People end up following that or getting pulled along with it because they're not conscious, and so they lose their freedom. But other than that, the only real way of, like, self-development and becoming is just, it's just the way. Yeah, I can, I can definitely... Um relate to what you're talking about. I remember um, when I read uh, Lords of the Left Hand Path by Dr. Flowers, I was uh, struck with um, how Zoroastrian fit into that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, when, when you really, when you, when you dig far into it, you see that, you know, um, well, uh, Stephen mentioned something uh, in that book and, and in another place as well, I think, in the Muslim way, uh, about how um, Zoroastrianism isn't just uh, another example of it, left-hand path. It may actually be um, the defining, uh, you know, the 
the essence of what Zoroaster, um, of what uh, left hand path is. I say that because yeah. I defend that because I believe that if you look at how Zoroaster or Zarathustra uh, flipped the idea of good and evil on its head from you know the the Indian you know version of it and you know the pre Gothic uh, version. If you look at that and the way that he redefined uh, what God is mm-hmm. from the perspective of what good and evil is, he turned what God, Deva, was into something completely other than that, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, he put on, he, you know, he, he vilified a whole, a whole idea of God that, you know, was um, pretty continuous down through, you know, prehistory. Uh, you see, I mean, even today our, our notion of God in the Western world uh, and the Eastern worlds, uh, in fact, is Dias or Deva or Dewas and Tiwa. You know, all of them, they all relate to that to that same word. And and Zarathustra said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I reject that. You know, he said, here to me, Ahura or is God. And in fact, there's only one of those who is real and the others are just reflections of him. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, with that and the way that he shunned and rejected the animal sacrifice and the uh, the excesses in uh, ritual with the uh, with the princelings and the priests, the, you know, who basically had a racket on uh, sacrifice and enslaving people through the Helma ritual, in my opinion, anyway. That um, that then it was, in fact, the epitome of the left hand path, right? It kind of defined what left hand path is, but because it was so successful, then it it, it ceased being left hand path and. Be- and became uh, the the norm. It was no longer mm-hmm. antinomian. It was nomian. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of like if um, the mm-hmm. Temple of Set were to become the Temple of Horus. Mm-hmm. And so so I think in that way, then um, Zoroastrianism was the or the Mostan way was the first real successful left hand path systems because it ceased to be left hand path because it became the new norm. Yeah, I agree 100. percent And 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 another thing, another thing I think that makes that case is that idea of Ahura Mazda representing the principle of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, because this is the same, very similar idea, uh, and on, on, especially within the uh, Setian system of the principle of isolate intelligence, the sets, you know, the, 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 the God is a principle of consciousness, and it's the first principle of consciousness from which other, other consciousnesses um, are, are, are somehow a uh, partaking of this, or somehow a, uh, a uh, movement away from this, a separation from this, uh, and enjoying your own separateness, um, so to speak. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it seems like when, in, in the Gathas, when, when Zarathustra is talking about Ahura Mazda, he's, he's basically wanting, he's asking, he's, he's imploring um, God that he can be in his presence, that, you know, he wants to meet, he wants to be in the presence of God. And for me, it's, uh, it takes a, an approach like Sufism, right, where it's, it's not about um, joining into what God is. It's not about losing yourself in another, but it's, it's that, that purposeful separation from what Ahura Mazda is and from what God is, right, mm-hmm. so that it's, it's rather like he's um, adoring his beloved in a sense. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to lose himself, he wants to be himself so he can ap- appreciate the other, you know. So I, I think it's uh, I think it's I think it's necessary in the system, and so even as um, a form of what came to be Sufism with that separation uh, in love, where, as opposed to union in love, then uh, you know 
the romantic love being a, a model for the spiritual love, I think again it, it you know it kind of exemplifies what you know the left is, what the left hand path is, because like you said, the Setian uh, model of Set as the principle of isolate intelligence, whereas um, a being the principle of focused consciousness or um, um, mind imbued with a conscience, or mm-hmm. you know. I, one of my main points that I always try to um, uh, iterate is that Vohumana has the the word human in it. You know, it's Vohumana, Vohumana. Mm-hmm. And so, without without that intelligence, that isolate intelligence, or without the um, focused consciousness, then we don't have the good mind. We don't have Vohumana as part because we share that with God. We share that with the with the guy in the sky who gave us the the consciousness. Uh, that we need to apprehend what God is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he gives us the gift of what he is so that we can recognize that. And without without good, the good mind or without the essence of what human is in Bohumana, then we become uh, less than human and therefore inhumane. And uh, it's just striking to me how the Mazdaism is so uh, bent on, in a good way, bent on the, uh, the protection of... Uh, of all life forms, you know, all bene- uh, beneficent animals, the, the earth, the waters, the sky, and especially in a time uh, like it is now where it's, it's necessary to look through those things in, in a protective way and be those stewards of earth because we're, we're in a pretty bad time as far as what we've uh, allowed the, uh, the the environment to end up like because of our own, you know, misdeeds. Absolutely. There's definitely a... Uh, a um um, sense of responsibility mm-hmm. that emerges from all of that. And um, like you say, custodians um, that, that were responsible for um, our own, for our existence and everything and for um, where we live. That's right. You know, in, in, in my situation, it's, it's not really, um, that's never really focused on because, uh, you know the the environment or jungle we live in is a concrete one. There's not really, and so mm-hmm. uh, my effort really is about wanting to beautify the place and um, basically have make it a an altar to uh, our mighty or you know the green earth itself and that spirit of piety that comes along with the cultivation of you know a type of garden and you know so we we have plants, you know, produce that we plant here on our little individual unit yards, and it's really a mm-hmm. nice way to uh, learn to respect the uh, the environment, because without it, we've just got concrete and dirt, and that's pretty much devoid of all piety, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes prisoners prisoners when they don't have uh, an appreciation of something outside of themselves. Right. So... Um I, I, I think it's really true that just doing a little bit of gardening, doing a little effort to keep some, some plants alive can have an incredible effect on your psyche if you can stick with it. That's the thing. A lot of people will try to do this, and they'll get a plant, and they'll tie it, and then they'll forget about it. But, but you can get to the point where you, you know, start to grow some stuff. I remember when I was growing up, um, and, and this was in uh, Missouri, and, and my father, my parents, they, we always had a garden in the backyard. And, you know, they grew, you know, he came from a long line of subsistence. He wasn't a subsistence farmer when, 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 when I was there, but he came from that, like, kind of background. So they were always, like, growing um, a garden with, like, you know, tomatoes and, and, and you know, cucumber and stuff like that. that we would actually eat. But, like, cultivating that is really significant. And um, 
I, there's a there's a there's a statement from from Gurdjieff um, about that if, if people want to learn to love, just ordinary man, ordinary mechanical man doesn't understand what what love really is. And if people really want to understand love, you start out by learning to love plants. Yeah, that's and right. right. And this statement, this to me, this comes and you know Gurdjieff is a is a right source on. Um, I mean, he's. Uh, uh, Dr. Flowers is, is referred to him as part of the uh, the the Maz, the Maz Maga, the, the Great right, Brotherhood, yeah. and he's clearly his ideas. Once you're hip to this, it's clear as as day that that you know the the Sufi stuff and the Sarmung Brotherhood and those people that he was like getting influenced by um, were were you know that emerged from or, or evolved from like Zoroastrianism. So I, I thought about this idea of plants and that you learned about plants and this well this ties back to um, the kind of fire that's associated with plants kind of fire that's considered the fire that flows through the life lifeblood of plants and feeds on oxygen and water and stuff like that. And it's like, wow, you know, there's definitely something to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I did a little bit of a study in that direction. Um, the Bundahish or the Bundahishan uh, speaks about that to a, to a degree where it says that everything has, all life has fire, right? Um, and even like you said, a plant has it. And what the Buddhist says that four fingers uh, in distance width away from a plant is where the fire of the plant is. And so you can see that same kind of idea with the uh, RF photography, um, where uh-huh. they, uh, you know, use uh, use a certain filters or whatever to try to catch the aura of a living thing, including plants. And you'll see this about uh, four fingers breadth away from the plant. And so it's like a like a like a curlian curlian camera. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so you'll see that aura or that, that light around it, that nimbus. But um, I was, um, what was that? I was reading something that uh, had to do with uh, the fire. Oh, no, matter of fact, I had written a small paper, and I, I may have posted it on the, um, the Occidental Temple of the Wise Lords page or the group, I'm not sure which one, uh, about the Indo-European elemental system uh, with emphasis on the Irish Celtic right, where the mm-hmm. Druidic cosmos is composed of the three elements of um, sky, earth, and sea. Sky, sea, and earth. Yeah, sky, mm-hmm. earth, and sea. So you have the three primal elements there of basically air, um, earth, and water. And that fire was something else completely, right? It was that, mm-hmm. that fire in the head. But if you look at the order of the Mazdan, that's what struck me, the order of the Mazdan creation, the natural creation, uh, as opposed to ethical creation. Then you have sky, which is air. You have water, and then you have earth as the first three. Well, the mm-hmm. second, the second three in the in the series of seven uh, creations is plants, animals, and man in that order. And so, obviously, you see a a um, evolutionary pattern there, right? A progressive evolutionary pattern. But um, and so it shows that the the life in the in the third, fourth, and I mean the fourth, fifth, and sixth creation is dependent on the first, second, and third, right? So you have the mm-hmm. the air, the you know the first three uh, that basically are necessary for creating and sustaining the second three. Well, of course, the seventh one is fire, the seventh creation, and it's um, it's not only uh, the seal of those creations, but also it is imbued in each one of those. Right? It enlivens them. Mm-hmm. So you have the elements that they're made, they're created of, and formed from, as in like the artificer, Ahura Masada artificer, instead of just a creator, he was the former of those things, and then imbued with, with his own essence, uh, that fire of his own essence into those things, and therefore we get consciousness and we get 
uh, emotion and things like that from it. But it was really significant because, uh, and that was one of the things that I um, latched onto when I first realized that that, that had that kind of um, a order there to that, is that how that related first to fire, then to animals, then to then to, then to mankind. Because for me, mm-hmm. there is um, a mystery in the order or a, a Ra's within the Ra's, right? So Ra's mm-hmm. meaning mystery and Ra's meaning order. I think there's there's something there. And that, that was, I saw that all the way back when I wrote the Druid books about how um, the order of the Oam, just like in the order of the runes, uh, then there there's usually a, a significant initiatory allegory that runs through that, right? At a point-by-point mm-hmm. point basis, and it's comprehensive. It builds on itself. And I think mm-hmm. though that elemental and uh, seven-fold creation is the same thing, right? I believe it has that, an, uh, an, a mystery in the order itself, and it has to do with fire. It all comes down to fire. Oh, I'm sure. And it, there's seven, so there's a progression because you know this is, this is another thing that uh, comes through in, in Gurdjieff is the law of sevens, which corresponds to the octave, and it's always a progression of creation. You know, for, for something to come into being and be created, it goes through this period of seven stages and two shocks within those stages to make it happen. Right. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always seen the seven as a kind of imbalance because, you know, a two and a four and a six are all kind of kind of uh, balanced and um, stable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of they give a good foundation, but seven seems to be, um, you know, some say that seven is a still a creation, but it's also, it's an upset to a balance, right? I mean, it's, it kind of mm-hmm. throws things off, which is good because there's there's no growth and no becoming. There's no moment of kefir unless there is that imbalance. And I think seven, mm-hmm. is seven, which is that fire, the seventh thing, uh, creates that imbalance, which gives you the moments of ordeal or kefir or the moments of awakening of the mind. Absolutely. So let's talk about your book. You wrote a book, right? Well, yeah, I wrote. Uh, well, <clears throat> I wrote another ebook that was um, Mosden Musings, and yes. it's in uh, both PDF and HTML format. But um, it was really just a kind of a collection of um, ideas and put into like a really short, like miniature essay for each one, you know, and let it build on mm-hmm. that. Of course, it focused more on um, the idea in the Mosden way that there is no, really no problem of evil. You know, evil exists, and there's there's no God that creates evil, and no good God that creates evil. It's evil versus the opposite principle, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much devoted to that. But yes, I, I did write a different book called The Muslim Inside, and that is uh, yeah. has as its focus the uh, the idea of most of the things that are already there. And uh, Dr. Flowers is or writing as Darwin Eden, uh, the Good Religion, <clears throat> and so I, I took that and I really tried to kind of focus. Uh, the inmate aspect of the prisoner aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So that those principles become applied uh, more easily to a person who's um, behind bars or, you know, within the walls. And uh, I, I think it, or at least the goal was to make it available, make that those teachings available instead of, you know, because uh, our best teachers, we appreciate the fact that our best teachers are high-minded and therefore they're eloquent and, I think sometimes uh, we miss some of the people that that most need those teachings. And so I, I tried to bring it down a little bit and uh, for the element that's in here, not to say that you have to dumb it down because, you know, I didn't do that. I said that wasn't a goal, but I wanted to reach a little more people and a wider audience. And I think I'm hoping that um, even though it's 
aimed at prisoners, it will still do that. It will get a little better, a wider readership than what we have already. And that should Absolutely. be um, published through Lodestar. I think she's uh, working on the edit of it. Excellent. And, you know, you have to, you have to understand your audience. You know, mm-hmm. it's a matter you got to know your audience to, be, to, to effectively communicate. Yeah. You know, part of the audience is, for me, is really not just inmates, even though the book is, you know, just the title betrays it. You know, it's a Mosden inside. And so it's really not, though, directed just for um, prisoners or Mosdens who find themselves in prison, but also to the people who uh, run the facilities so that they're a little more informed. Because right now uh, there is a, a, an issue with, with media, uh, at least, where I'm trying to um, get approval for certain things for our Muslim community, uh, have our own time slot like every other religion does, and be able to get the implements that we need for ritual that are Muslim-oriented, also the sudra and kusti or the shirt and cord. Uh, and, uh, you know, here we have to have, and I'm sure at most prisons, uh, you have to have a, an approved vendor or state approved to order things from, right, a pre-approved thing. Mm-hmm. And they have to approve the items that you need, and you have to give the um, the religious source for those items, what books and what authorities say is needed and are necessary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hitting roadblock all the way around, so the next step may be uh, actually a 1983 lawsuit, which I've already done once with DOC mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, and I won a settlement. It was, I was mm-hmm. as a pagan. I had to do this as a pagan because we were having issues with uh, allowable items. And so it looks like I'm heading that way again. I'm hoping that maybe a form letter, you know, from the temple itself might help, but I just don't, I don't know. They're pretty belligerent with anything other than the three main faiths. So. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, you have to go through that um, just to be able to uh, um, be able to express your religious feelings um, about, about things. But then again, it's an extraordinary condition that you find yourself in. It is. A prison outreach program is, is basically what you're trying to get going, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not only outreach, but it's, you know, an inreach because, you know, uh-huh. reaching from outside in, but also uh, for outreach for the people who are in here in need. Um, mm-hmm. something other than what they've already found because it's, it's lacking and, and deficient in, in the things that they need. And I think the, the Muslim way answers everything for that. You know what I mean? Uh, it, has, it has the exotic appeal of being um, not native to here but also, or Western, uh, but also it has, um, like I said earlier, it answers that whole problem of why does God let, you know, bad things happen to good people or, you know, why is my sister? Why was my sister taken away at such an early age when she was a good person? Or, you know, why? Why did? Why did this person in my life lose his life? Why did I lose him? And, and you know, it explains in a logical way that there is no good God who would do that or who is even capable of that. Because of her monster, if he is totally good, he is incapable of punishment. He's incapable of temptation, and you know, um, not only created not creating evil, but also he's incapable of allowing evil to exist. The fact is evil exists because uh, he is temporarily not able to um, quell that particular uh, evil. It's up to us, of course. We have a unique position and a duty as Muslims to help God eliminate evil, and we do that through, as you know, the good good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. And that, in prison, is antinomian, I promise you. (laughs) And and evil, evil is an external force. Yeah, I, I think it is because um, 
you know, the the idea that there is no such thing as a conscious um, act of evil was something that uh, Stephen relayed to me, Stephen Flowers relayed to me. And I, it kind of floored me, right, because I'm in here for an act that is, you know, the worst act that a human can do to, a, you know, to an extent. And so um, it kind of made me think about the idea, which, you know, because because of my situation, I've always been the person who not only does not do drugs, but abhors the whole, the idea of drugs. It turns people, like you said um, the other day, uh, you told me that it turns people into rats. And it does. And that, and, I don't, and that's not necessarily like turn people into snitch, which it does that too, but it turns people into the lowest form of um, humanity. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them lose their humanity, at least for a time. And so I, I always have to draw the line, draw the distinction between good and evil when it comes to drugs, and I almost invariably come back to the idea that the word drug and druge are essentially the same word. That's real interesting when you said that. That's like very definitely. And do you know, I mean, have you looked at the linguistics? Is there a linguistic basis for that that you well, look into? Yeah. or? Well, yeah, they're, they're, I've, I've seen the drug slash druge before in one of the uh, the commentaries on one of the Avestan texts. I don't remember what it was. Maybe in uh, Scarabo's text, maybe. I'm not sure. It was when one of them I was reading. But mm. they didn't go into it, but I think they were just saying that the J and the G are essentially the same thing. But mm-hmm. when I seen it, I was, I seen, obviously, the Western idea of drugs, you know, as pharmaca being the druge itself. I mean, because it, you know... For me, the lie, the druge, as you know, translated in lie, the lie is for me nothing more than um, the idea of Apophis to the Satian. Mm-hmm. So it's not it, it's life denying, right? It's reality denying. It's mm-hmm. a type of um, a type of delusion to where, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what say methamphetamine does, right? It creates a um, a situation, at least temporarily, in the mind of the person who's using it, um, that blurs the line between what is fantastic and what is real, and so it creates a deluded mind, and that's precisely what Apophis is—he deludes you. And so the only upset is the only overcomer, or the one who has the only only one has the power to overcome delusion. Then, in that sense, Ahura Mazda is the only answer to the lie. Yeah, absolutely, and, and also wrapped up in, in delusion. And uh, and Apophis, and I'm sure everyone has their own. Everyone has a you know what they see in this. I always see like the principle of uh, coercion and that the idea of, of of the freedom that is my natural state, my natural normal state of being a free, independent being becomes blurred with coerciveness. You feel coercion, or you know Anton Lavey, if he if he um, you know criticized anything, it's compulsion. So sure. that that that's kind of like the 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 same thing I think in his world. Um, but you, you become compulsively, um, you know, addiction means I'm being coerced by my need for this, for this drug. And then as a result of that, you lose your, your moral grasp on, on whether it's okay to coerce other people. Um, so this is when people get into, uh, you know, uh, get into drug frenzies with methamphetamine. They start acting like rats. Well, they start selling out their, selling out their loved ones and, and, and not respecting, um, you know, not respecting others' property rights and all of these things. And the other thing, which you uh, uh, referred to, the idea of, uh, from Egyptian mythology that Set, you know, slays the pep. I think, you know, every day on his son Barji, one of the things he does is he slays the pep. Well, he slays him violently. It's a fight. 
He doesn't meditate a pep away. He slays them. You know, it's That's a right. fight. It's a struggle. It's a war. Yeah, it's an active um, den- denial of that that uh, delusion. It's mm-hmm. self-affirming, you know, because you have to say, you know, it's like um, the reason Seth has to do that as far as, you know, that's why he's on the, on the, on the front of the boat, uh, the front of the bark is to, to strike down that delusion, right, so that the self in the form of, uh, of Ra, right, uh, is rebirthed into being, right, They're, or as Kephra, right, I'm not sure exactly what the words are, but, it, you know, coming up out of the uh, darkness into the light once more and providing light, well, that can't happen unless uh, delusion is slayed. And it's an active, like you said, it's an active, it's a dynamic thing. It's not something that, like you said, can be meditated away. It's, you know, I, I see it in here with uh, bullying and with, um, and of course, it almost always revolves around methamphetamine or other heavy drugs in here. Uh, but it happens mm-hmm. also out there, right? Those are the things that enslave mankind. And when they do, they invite, like you said, evil is outside or external. It invites the evil into, uh, into humans and makes them less than human, right? Because they become inhumane when they lose that good mind. And when they do, then uh, it, you know, the, the Avestan or the Gathic uh, idea is that it creates evil, right? By, mm-hmm. It burns evil, just like in the, in the Orthodox Zoroastrian um, system, then uh, certain things that you do that are against the uh, laws of purity, those things, you know, eating with your, uh, talking with food in your mouth or uh, talking while you're uh, doing your ablutions, it creates demons or creates, you know, David. Uh, patterns and invites those into you, and so you again have to be purified. And and, and speaking of purity, also I'd like to uh, mention that we, as Muslims, we're looking at um, the idea of original purity as opposed to original sin. And so uh, I think that ties into uh, Dr. Flowers' idea of original merit that he speaks about, right? Because we have that mm-hmm. because we chose to be here, we chose to incarnate to work on the mm-hmm. side of good, to destroy evil, then um, we have that merit, right? And that's another thing in here, uh, and that I speak about in uh, the Mawson Inside, is that it is um, necessary. The Mawson way is now, at this moment, necessary for humanity in a Western world, but especially in a penitentiary world, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it gives you back your humanity, and it, mm-hmm. it creates uh, a situation where you realize that you have a unique responsibility as a human being because a human being is necessarily a Mawson because that's where he begins. You know what I mean? It's kind of like how um, the, the Magi visited Jesus at his, at his birth or shortly after. Right? It, was, it was something that has to be, if it's not instilled when you're born, you have to remember it as you go. And so eventually you come back to it, you remember it, and, um, boy, it's a hard place to do that in prison. But the Mawson way is a good answer to the plight of the inmate for that very reason, because we are uh, we are beset on all sides by evil, and so a, a, a small light even can be bright in a dark place. You know. Wow. Yeah, man. And and, and I agree 100 percent. That whole idea of no original sin is so significant. That's so significant that you're that that you made your your existence here. Every person, every human being's existence in this world right now is the result of them having made the made a virtuous act, the first virtuous act, the, the original yeah, decision. Yeah, and it had to be a, it had to be a conscious act. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. an unthinking thing. Yeah. Yes, everyone made a very deliberate and conscious act 
to come here. So that means the, the, the fundamental nature of man. You know, this is a question of what is the fundamental nature of man? And, you know, Christianity and, and thinks that the fundamental nature of man is that he's evil, mm-hmm. you know, that he's a bad, he's a bad thing. There's a lot of political systems like this, too. That's the fundamental nature is he's bad. He's going he's gonna to fuck, fuck up his fellow man. He has to, be, has to have lots and lots and lots of rules. But the Mazdan way, just like, you know, as, as Dr. Flowers, it sweeps all that nonsense away. And, and, and it says that, no, every human being is here because they made a fundamental act to be here. So the fundamental nature of man is consciousness and conscience and, 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 a, and a strong wish and desire to fight against evil. Because that's the reason, right? To fight against the lie. Yeah, I think that uh, when, when we're born in a Western world, we have for so long, like you said, that's been ingrained in us that we're, to use the vernacular, we're shit from the beginning, right? I mean, we're right. made from dirt, you know, and you know, uh, and that kind of gives you a, an analogy of really how the, the Christian mind has given us the idea of we're not worth anything. We have to, you know, because we're born sinful, then we can't earn our way into heaven or salvation, we have to beg for it, basically, from a God who created us evil or flawed somehow, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a relief to, to find that the DNA of those religions is something opposite uh, of the way that those religions have uh, evolved, right? Mm-hmm. So through Judaism, you get Christianity, and from Christianity and Judaism, you get Islam. And mm-hmm. so all of those have that had that nature of humanity as being flawed ingrained in it. But it, 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 it's odd to me that they came out of, they were born out of Zoroastrianism, mm-hmm. which, which is a system where humanity is not flawed. But I, it, it's odd to me, though, that we see uh, some, some of the Parsis and some of the Orthodox Zoroastrians, uh, some of those even have that idea that, mm-hmm. um, that um, we have to be somehow graced into a, a salvation or a heaven, right? It's not something mm-hmm. that, um, we know we don't deserve it from the beginning. Well, we do deserve it from the beginning because we, we're here for that reason, right? To, mm-hmm. to, we're born into a battlefield by choice. And so that alone merits that end result of salvation. Now, of course, we may have to go through the or- another, you know, a final ordeal of fire and, you know, a, a look at, a look at the things that we've done uh, that kind of make a stain instead of a good mark on our lives and on the world. And so there has to be a reckoning, but still that reckoning isn't something that God meets out or mates out to us. It's because he, does, he, he doesn't do that, right? A father doesn't um, desire a son to be punished and tortured, you know. And so mm-hmm. you have to see the fatherhood of God in that way when you look at Ahura Mazda. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I can only think how these major world religions, like you said, you look at them and you see in the origins, you see the, the, the glimmer, you know, the spark of like something that was true within it, but something happened and they just got, they got twisted around, turned upside down, and they're just getting worse and worse. You know, I don't think any of these religions are going to reform, they're, they're going to get better. You know, they're not, they're not, I don't think any, any monotheistic religions are going to get better. So, they secularize. They can secularize. That might help a little bit. Like if Islam secularizes a little bit, well, that'll help keep some people from blowing each other up. But the fundamental nature is like, so it's already been polluted. 
the way they're not going to return ever to this sense of conscience and the and, and again the original sin that that aspect of it is going to is going to remain i think well you know when you have when you when you're when the um, when the seed of the mythology you know the the religion itself begins with the story of mankind in a garden uh with you know, two trees there that are, you know, they, they're good, they're pleasing to the eye, right? And then you're told, okay, you can eat anything, but don't touch them ones that look really good right there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that whole thing that, you know, it's an idea of God who created humanity who seeks to keep them in the dark or in the cave, as Plato would say, right? So their only real yeah. reality is a shadow world. Uh, that when you start with that as a, as a basis for religion, um, where you're punished for uh, reaching out and taking wisdom and, you know, the idea of good and evil. You have to break the law, the cosmic law and divine law, in order to um, obtain that, that thing which makes you godlike inside and gives you the ability to not only see good and evil, but now to be good. Then I think there's a, there's a flaw there, like you said, that is not going to be easily erased if it can be at all. The best you can hope for is, like you said, let's agree to stop killing each other but you're still walking into a ditch either way you go when you start with, with that kind of mythology. And it's funny oh, because that, that mythology that at the beginning of Genesis is the moth and garden. That's a main point that uh, Dr. Flowers uh, was talked about in the Moth and Way and in the Good Religion is that um, it's modeled on the uh, paradise or paradise. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the, right. uh, the, the woman and the man and the, the serpent and the trees and, every, you know, those same two trees are... In the uh, in the Bundahish in, in the uh, Vestan. and then you add the element of coercion to it. You add mm-hmm. the add the element of coercion, and that's how it turns into Christianity. Suddenly, it becomes Judeo Christianity because that's the na- that's the fundamental nature of of, of, of of it is is coerciveness and control. And that's right. Yeah, it um, all comes back to coercion. No, it's the most ridiculous. When I was young and, and you know, uh, religious um, people and, and relatives are trying and, and, and show me the truth of it, it's like, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you just can't, your mind just can't reconcile how, um, how um, a, a coercive force, how you supposedly have free will. Supposedly you have free will, but there's only one thing that you can do with that will. And that's like bow down worship, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you basically have to believe what you cannot believe, so it becomes mm-hmm. an impossible thing for to affect your salvation, right? Yeah, you have, you have to basically believe something that is illogical, and by by saying that you do, again, it's coercive, and you know you're lying to yourself. So there again is the druge, and so you have to basically be a follower of the the Davic law in order to right. achieve the salvation of a Davic religion. And yeah, so it's, no, it's really sick. It's like that is the world that we live in, where people are basically piped in here and you have to swallow the dream. You have to swallow the cosmic lie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, we won't love you anymore. You know? right. <laughs> and people oh, like yeah. make, I mean, they make like movies about scary cults that supposedly do this to people. But the reality is it's like, <laughs> no, this is like the common, this is the common ordinary indoctrination, you know, initiation right for all normal people in this, in this society. You know, Dr. Aquino said it right. He called it the world of horrors. Yes. I mean, it really is. I mean, we live a horror show in the name of a religious world. We've embarked on something here that it's world-changing. It's, it's powerful. And 
it's so funny. I was watching a uh, PBS, PBS uh, public television special on the planet Jupiter because of the uh, you know the satellite they sent out toward it, Cassini, I think, or whatever the name it was. But they were talking about how lightning, the storms on in on Jupiter, a single lightning strike is so big there that on Earth it would reach from the east to the west. Now think about that, right? Think about the the prophecy of the light. You know the the light striking in the east and seen in the west, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the creation of that. Literally, is the foundation of the creation of the Mazdan Way, the the Western form. Wow! And it's significant because even more because the planet Jupiter is called in the Bundahish Ahura Mazda. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> so so okay. So then I got to ask you, bringing up Jupiter now, mm-hmm. and um, so that ties in with. 2001, mm-hmm. the film 2001, because that's where yeah. they go to find the monolith. They go to Jupiter and the moon Io. And, of course, 2001 starts out with the music, although Shvag Zarathustra. Right. And which is somehow connected with Nietzsche. Given to the apes that creates, them, creates mankind. Right. It, it all ties. It's significant. It all ties together. So now, now um, I, I was. I read a book a couple of years ago. It's called uh, "The Mysteries of the Russian Cosmists," and it's all about um, the philosophies of um, what's his name. Um, I think it's uh, Fedorov. Um, he's one of the early Russian cosmists, right? At the birth of the Soviet Union and the early space program, he was one of the early, you know, theoreticians. And his theory was that science will eventually be able to, since, since matter is never destroyed in the universe. Everyone who has ever died, ever since the beginning of time, well, all of the component parts of them still exist in the universe. They're just all scattered. But eventually, with the power of technology and science, we will figure out how to put them all back together. Mm-hmm. And all of the um, – and, and, and as we go and colonize space and we discover the space, you know, discover um, you know, how to travel to other planets, we'll be learning that at the same time that we're reanimating – everyone, bringing back everyone who has ever lived before. And it all ties together because we'll need these extra planets to live on. Mm. So, so the thing is, is that that is part of, some people say that that's part of the significance of 2001. There was also this thing uh, uh, called the Toynbee Tiles. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Where they found um, the, 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 this guy in New York was going around marking on, uh, creating these tiles and putting them on the pavement that said, um, <laughs> It's Kubrick 2001, Resurrect Dead, Kubrick 2001, um, and then something about Jupiter. And the yeah. whole theory is that Jupiter is where we're going to, like, start resurrecting all the people who are dead, which somehow corresponds with the Mazdan idea of, uh, of, of Frasho Caretti. Is that it, how you pronounce it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, Frasho Caretti or Frasho Caretti. Yeah. Well, Paul, so what I do think, you think about uh, all that? Uh, well, I would like to get into it, but I think my phone's about to die. <laughs> oh, no. I just got, the, just, just got the sound saying it's going to die. Oh, no. Uh, but, so, so I just, I'm sorry. You, got, you mentioned Jupiter, so it just made me think of that because I, I put all that together for a while, uh, a while ago, and I'm like, man, there's something to that. But, so, look, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up, man, because this has been a great conversation. Is there any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Well, uh, yeah, I think so because I mean, just the na- you know, some people are going to listen to this, and the nature of um, who I am and where I'm at and why I'm here is going to weigh on that conversation, and it may turn it into something that it's not. 
And so mm-hmm. I just want to say that our choices on a moment by moment make us who we are, right? The choices that we make, you know, that are bad affect us in ways that, you know, like for me, landed me here, and I may never get out of here. But also the choices that I make now and the choices we all make on a moment by moment basis, uh, that's what makes us who we are. We may be, as Don Webb said, uh, we may be, you know, street urchins one day, but it's not where, who we were, but we may be a philosopher king in years to come. So it's where we're going, the choices we make moment by moment, uh, even after bungling the chance at life that we have, those moments mm-hmm. choice it, uh, or, or those choices are key at every moment. They create the individual we are in an essential way. And so uh, they create the man, woman, and the way uh, responses to paradigm-shifting ordeals do, right? So understand the nature of good and evil is the only way to really inform our consciousness uh, of the choices that we have before us. So I think it's, I think it's really important. All right, Daniel. Well, hey, thank you so much for spending the time for us to have this conversation here. Um, we'll look forward to your future works out there. The Mazda Inside is something I'm really excited to see that happen and, 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 and do everything that I can on uh, my side to see that all happen. And uh, so until the next time we have the opportunity to interact, I want to uh, tell you stay strong and fighting the good fight. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate being with you and uh, the, the chance to uh, speak with you. I just well, I'd like to say Ushite and be well, friend. All right, Ushite, brother. من صبح و پیروز گرباد مینوی مهر ایران داور ازار گوشه بی بر چشم راست راست داور تیج تیج داور شنات را اورایم از داشن با اومشت مستی اوشته هاستی اوشته همایی یتش آی و اشتایشن اشن با هو به هیشت مستی اوشته هاستی اوشته همایی یتش آی و اشتایشن اشن با هو به هیشت مستی اوشته هاستی اوشته همایی یتش آی و اشتایشن برابران مزدی از مزرت هوش رش میدهی و ابرد که شوها و نیشانه شیرت وی از نای چپ و مای چش ناوت رای چپ رس از تیعی چد ساون که بی سیاوی چشانه شیرت وی از نای چپ و مای چش ناوت رای چپ رس از تیعی چد میتره بارو گاو یاوی تایش هزنگ رو گاو شای بی بری چشمنو اوخت و نامنو یزتر آمنو خواست رای شناوت رای از نای چپ و مای چش ناوت رای چپ رس از تیعی چد یا تا هوری از آتا فرام امروزه یا تا راتو چشاپتی نجات فروش و بیز بام راتو آهور مزدوم شبانه مشایراتو یزمیده زرتوش تر مشبانه مشایراتو یزمیده زرتوش تر یشانو فروشیم یزمیده همیشه اسپنته یشانو یزمیده اشاآونام بین کوی سراس من تا فروشیم یزمیده است و تو من اخیاو چرپنوت من رتبام یزمیده یه توش تمام یزتنام انگنوش تمام شیرت با وای بین ساوس تمام جب نوش تمام شان شیرت بورا تو فریتیم یزمیده هاونی مشونه مشیرتون یزمیده هاو بتاوت مشونه مشیرتون یزمیده امرت تاوت مشونه مشیرتون یزمیده اهورین فرش نمشونه مشیرتون یزمیده اهورین تکیش مشونه مشیرتون یزمیده یاسنم سورم حبتنگ هاویتی مشونه مشیرتون یزمیده سوان که میسم چاشوان مشایراتون یزمیده ایری آمن میشی مشوان مشایراتون یزمیده اما بنتم برت راو جنم ویت به شنگ هم ویسبت و شاو تاورانتیم ویسبت و شاو تیترندم یو پامو یو مزمو یو فراتمو زاوزی زیدی ترو مانترم بنچگاو تاو میترم چه بروگاو یاویتیم یزمیده رام چه خاوسترم یزمیده ویسپیرات مو یس ناویچاد بهمای چشناوت رای چه ویسم چشمانه مشایراتون یزمیده میترم وارو گاو یاویتیم یزنگری گاو شای بی بره چشمانم اوفتو نامانم یزتم 
یزمیده نام خواستم یزمیده تمام آترم اور مزدا پوتر مشمن مشایلاتون یزمیده هز از آترم هزای بیاوینگ هنم ایمت برس مشایا فرسترتن مشمن مشایلاتون یزمیده اپام نبتارم یزمیده نیری سنگم یزمیده تخمم داموش او پمنم یزتم یزمیده ایریستنام اوروانو یزمیده یا وشان آفر وشایون رتوم رزنتم یزمیده یه مهور مزدام یا وشای پنوتم یا وشای جبوشتم ویس پس رواز رتومشت یزمیده ویس پچه وشتش یاوت نه یزمیده وشتش وشتم نچد یگه حال تماعت یزنه پیتی منکو مزدا اوروپ ایتا وشاو تچاو یاوگام چاو تانس چاو تانس چاو یزمیده یا تا هم ایریا تاورات اوش شاوتی دچاو من که اوش نزدام نیم کوش یا اوتن نامن که اوش مزداهیم شترم چه هورا یا یم ریگو بیادت و آستارم یا تا هم ایریا تاورات اوش شاوتی دچاو من که اوش نزدام نیم کوش یا اوتن نامن که اوش مزداهی شترم چه هورا یا یم ریگو بیادت و آستارم یاستم چه بامم چه آو جست جست بر چه آفری نامه میترای بروگا و یا وی تویش از اینگرینگا و شای بای بر چه منو آوختنام منو یزت ایران منو خواست رایشم و ویش نمیشیم شتاوستی مشت احمایی یت شای ویش نایشم احمایی لایش چه خور نس چه احمایی تن و در بتا آوت محمایی تن و بازد بر احمایی تن و برترم احمایش دیم بروش خواست را محمایی اسناب چیت راز این تیم احمایی در قام در وجی تیم احمایی ویش نمیشیم شاونام برای چینگمیس و خواستم عشم و ویش تمسیم شتا عصی مشت احمایی یت شای ویش نایشم هزینگرم بیش از نام بی بری بیش از نام هزینگرم بیش از نام بی بری بیش از نام هزینگرم بیش از نام بی بری بیش از نام آشن بخو بیش تمسیمش تاسی مش تاه ما ایهیت شایی بیش تاشن جسمی آمین که مزدا جسمی آمین که مزدا جسمی آمین که مزدا میوم تاوش تای ورزای برت راه نیاب رزاوت تای بنتی آوش شاف رت آوتو تباوش شیف زاوت تای زرمانه یکر نی زرمانه در و خزاوت تای آشن بو بیش تمسیمش تاسی مش تاه ما ایهیت شایی بیش تاشن پیروز باد خروف هایی جای بختی نماز یاسنام پیروز باد خروف هایی جای بختی نماز یاسنام پیروز باد خروف هایی جای بختی نماز یاسنام پیم شاوس فندان یا کام باد دیدم باد دیدم تاج باد شاونه شن بو بیش تمسی اوش دا ماهی یتشایی بیش دایشم